Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then move my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. Oh, yeah, my guest today had an incredible career in the NFL marked by clearing the way and path en route to three Super Bowls. The man has got some rings. And what his body's endured to get there is really remarkable and painful to even fathom. He has a nickname that precedes himself, Stink, and is one of the most prophetic NFL analysts there ever was. Please welcome to On In a Mississippi Minute, Brother Mark Slareth. What's going on, Mark? How are you, Steve? That's good to hear your voice, bro. You too, man. What's, where, where do I find you today? No, I'm, you know, I'm at home in Denver, Colorado, and uh, just kind of enjoying a little bit of, uh, of downtime. I have a, a, a radio show here in town, on, right. a morning show, 104.3 The Fan. Did the morning show today, got a little workout in, and now, uh, you know, now we're just kind of cruising. Got the dog by the, my side here, and uh, just lounging. As a matter of fact, I did this whole combine bench press test thing today, um, raising money for the American Heart Association. We raised, uh, gosh, so far to... We started this thing as a, a dare on Twitter, you know. I mean, you know how dare yeah, Twitter works, right? And and so I was like, oh yeah, I could do twenty six reps up to twenty five, having no idea whether I can do it or not. And um, we raised over fifteen thousand dollars, and and now I'm I'm at the house trying to recuperate. Man, my hamstrings started cramping up, my back started cramping up. So uh, it was uh, it was some kind of event today, but it was all good. Okay, so tell me, how much weight at twenty six reps? Two twenty five. 225 on the bench is that two uh that's your bar and it's what two plates two plates on each side each side right right right. yeah four total right man okay so let's talk let's just jump into that right now because hey first of all you hit so you're you have your regular radio show that's in bronco land right right you're denver yeah well 16 years of espn in july i left and went to fox and you know fox started their new everyday sports network at fs1 so I do shows a couple days a week during the football season on FS1. They've got Undisputed. They've got Speak for Yourself, Colin Cowherd Show, um, uh, First Things First. So I bounce around either in New York or in L.A., and then I bounce out of either New York or L.A., and I go call a game for Fox. So I'm a, I'm a game analyst as well, a color commentator for Fox, and, uh, and called a bunch of NFL games. And, and really the reason that um, I left, obviously the TV industry has changed a bit, mm-hmm. but uh, I've never had an opportunity to call games at ESPN. And it's something that I always wanted to do. So my contract was up, and Fox said, hey, we'll give you a shot. And 
So it was just time, you know, it was like, all right, this is something new, kind of an adventure. And I just had a blast. Uh, I've had a blast so far this year at Fox. So, yeah, I've got the national television stuff on FS1, the games on Fox uh, NFL football, and then, you know, my regular Denver radio show five days a week as well. So it keeps me, it keeps me moving pretty good, Steve. I've seen so much of you online uh, working out, right, and, uh, and, and really pushing it, pushing your heart rate. You've had 29 surgeries is what uh, is the uh, proclamation online, right? You've had right. A, I, I knew that about you, obviously getting to know you as a friend, but 29 surgeries, 29, 29, 29. That's crazy. Take me back to your first surgery and what it's taken to keep your body in great shape because you're in great shape, uh, especially being a lineman in the NFL. You've seen people go both ways weight-wise and in shape-wise. So take us about what, you, what do you do now? You know, uh, this is a, tw- a triple-fold Mississippi Delta question, so you got to hang in with me. But yeah, take no, me, no, okay, take me back to the beginning and then your first injury that you can recall and how you've been able to maintain. Yeah, well, my first injury, my first knee surgery happened in high school and, um, yeah, intercepted a pass and, and just got clipped on the on the side of the leg and tore some cartilage and, you know, played the rest of the season and, and then um, – ended up having surgery after the season was over Mm. and that's kind of the start of kind of you know my whole surgery history um i tore an acl in college and 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 finished the game on a torn acl and you know woke up the next morning and literally couldn't walk um so i've always had this kind of ability to kind of mind over matter and push myself through those things so that was kind of the injury history as far as the working out stuff my you know my dad is 78 years old he's 179 pounds and he's ripped and he can still bench 300 get out so, of here you know, i'm kidding i kid you not you know so from a from just a, a stock or a, a gene pool you know i come from pretty strong genes anyhow he's funny too because like he called me that they were meeting my wife and i are going to meet him in hawaii here in uh in a week or so and he calls me the other day and it's just like hey uh, i just wanted you to know i'm 179 and i'm ripped and you look fat on TV. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah, you know, yeah. that, that's my father. So I grew up in this house. Uh, I like to call it generational fitness. So, you know, my dad is an athletic guy. He always worked out. So, you know, you follow the lead, the, the example that you've been given. So I did the same thing. You know, my son is still, um, a, you know, still a pitcher. He's yeah. not signed right now, but he's a professional pitcher and he's working his butt off. And, you know, and, and so we come from this, this line of kind of quote-unquote athletes, if you will, and, and it started with my dad, who still works out every day. He's a perpetual motion machine guy. That, he just never stops. You know, it's nothing to come up to my house in Alaska, even as we speak today at 78 years old, drive up the driveway, and my dad's standing on top of the roof shoveling off the roof. That's crazy. You know, four foot of snow. He is just a, a, a literal freak show. So yeah. that's kind of how that whole thing started. And then, you know, I just had a series of injuries, um, just one injury after the next injury after the next injury to the point where I was actually retired in college. I, I came back my senior year, switched positions, and it's so funny because the university retired me. They said, you're just not going to play anymore. You know, six knee surgeries and elbows. So I dislocated my elbow in a game, and, that, and they just said, that's enough for you. Right. And, you know, you're playing at a small school, University of Idaho. Um, you know, your odds of playing professional are pretty small. But that was my childhood dream since the time I was 12. 
Right. So for me, that was like devastating news. And, you know, when you're 22 or whatever, you're kind of bulletproof and you had another surgery and you heal up and you start lifting, you start working out and you're like, I can still play. And so then it just became me pestering the University of Idaho until they let me play. Like, I'm just going to pester you until you decide I'm so sick of this guy being in my office <laughs> that, you know, we're just going to let you go. So ended up coming back my senior year playing pretty well. And God's honest truth, with all this combine talk, I didn't have an agent. I didn't get invited to the combine. I didn't have, I mean, I had nothing. And a buddy of mine that I played with, Marvin Washington, one night he knows that my dream is to play college football or professional football, and he was my college teammate, and he had a lot of different teams that were very interested in him. He was a, a basketball player that transferred over to University of Idaho and played defensive end. And so he was getting all kinds of, uh, of people that were interested in him. And one night my phone rings. He calls me up and he says, hey, man, you know, such and such team is going to be here tomorrow morning at 7. Why don't you show up to my workout? It started a string of 20 probably different times that a team came to work him out, that he invited me to his workout, and I just begged teams to let me work out for him. The amazing thing about Marvin, and you talk about, you know, loving people and, and sacrificing for your friends. I blew him away in the workouts as far as strength and speed and everything else is concerned. You know, I made him look bad. I probably cost him three rounds in the draft, Steve, but he just kept inviting me. Had it not been for Marvin Washington, I would have never played in the NFL because I didn't have anybody else to give me a workout. People are in awe of talent, and especially your friends. They know when you're on the field, you're on the court, you know talent. And, you, and you're in awe of it. If you're an athlete, you want to celebrate it and lift it up. And there is a perfect example of a friend not only wanting to showcase you and make sure you got, you know, helped get you to where you need to go and where you belonged. I mean, uh, obviously, he had uh, binoculars on the future, right? Right. But, here, you know, here's the great thing for me. One of the great things that has ever happened is – so Marvin, you know, Marvin and I have always, you know, stayed in touch, but he went to the Jets, I went to the Skins, you know, and we played, he played for probably 12, 13 years, I played for 12. Um, we get done in 1997, we, uh, I'm, I'm playing with the Broncos, and, and we end up going into the playoffs as a wild card at 12-4. and four. Um, We beat the Jacksonville Jaguars at home, and then we go on the road and we beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Then we beat the Pittsburgh Steelers um, on the road in Pittsburgh, and we'll go to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 32, it's against the Green Bay Packers. We're 11.5-point underdogs that kick off and end up winning that game. So I'm back in the facility after we win that championship, and Mike Shanahan comes down to the training room where I'm, you know, packing ice, doing whatever it is I'm doing, and he said, hey, man, I got a question for you. You know, um, we need to sign some depth at the D-line. We need a guy that can play D-tackle and D-end. And you played for, you know, forever, and I just want your opinion. You know all these guys. You've probably played against them. Who kind of fits our team? And he hands me this list of six or seven guys, and the first name I see is Marvin Washington. <laughs> Pay it forward. So he goes, okay, done. <laughs> so he leaves. We sign Marvin. And then um, Marvin and I won the Super Bowl together, Super Bowl 33 together as teammates. Former University of Idaho teammates and then Denver Bronco teammates. Oh, man. Um, and Super Bowl champions together. So, you know, the, the whole pay it forward aspect right. of, of the sacrifice that Marvin made on, on my behalf. And, uh, and really cool to be able to celebrate that with your former Vandal teammate. Well, here you go. The bottom line is that's destiny, and it was uh, all meant to be. As, as you get a little older, you realize a lot of this stuff was planned uh, way ahead of, uh, of anything you can ever imagine. We're with the great Mark Slareth. Uh, you are on In a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. I'm Steve Azar. 
It's easier than ever to hear Super Talk anywhere. Now you can get Super Talk Mississippi on Amazon Alexa devices. Just go to supertalk.fm slash Alexa to find out more for news, politics, sports, and the good things happening in Mississippi. The conversation starts here. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. We are with Mark Slareth, nicknamed Stink. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Who's had more injuries and surgeries than Evil Knievel uh, without the motorcycle. So, Marco, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Let's let's get into Stink and where it came from. So uh, let's let's talk about that. Where did it come from? Yeah. Because it's it's a it's an odd one, right? Yeah. Well, I, it's actually there's there's like the truth, and then there's the kind of the good story that perpetuates the truth. So I'm a rookie with the Washington Redskins, and I'm a kid. You know, obviously played at the University of Idaho, grew up in Alaska. So that's kind of an anomaly, right? That's the outlier. You're like the road less traveled, right? And so my sister actually taught at an Eskimo village in Alaska on the Kuskokwim River called Akiachuk, Alaska. And she's a school teacher. And so she was teaching in Akiachuk during the during the salmon season, the very first run of the salmon, um, you know, early summer, late spring, um, the natives at the at the village would dip net in the Kuskokwim River and just pull out thousands of fish. You know, they run through these nets and they just pull them all out. Our version is catfish, just FY, but keep going. Right, okay. Right. So, <laughs> so they're running out through these salmon, they're pulling them all out, and then they clean them, and they cut off the heads, they dig a big pit, and they bury the heads and let them rot and ferment. Okay. And then later, weeks later, they dig up these rotten heads and they eat them, and Ugh. they're called stinkheads. Yeah. And they're like this native, you know, delicacy. And my sister's telling this story, and I'm relaying it to the guys that, that I play with, the Redskins, about how the whole village just smelled of rotten fish, and she's trying to teach kids that have been eating this, and it just permeates, you know, through the skin, through their breath, and she's like, I'm trying to teach math, and I've got my, you know, I've got my shirt up over my nose, trying to teach kids, Horrible. like, what's going on? And so from that point forward, I tell the story, and, you know, we're just sitting at dinner one night um, in training camp, and at that point, I, I became Stinkhead. And <laughs> Stinkhead eventually evolved into Stinky and then Stink. Right. But the way the story perpetuates is it's 1990s, the third preseason game, um, I started as a rookie, so it's my second year in the league, and it's a hot, just sultry night in the nation's capital, D.C. We're playing the Cleveland Browns, third preseason game. So we play, you know, the starters play into the third quarter. So I'm sitting on a bench. It's midway through the third quarter. I'm out of the game, but I'm the youngest offensive lineman on our team. So I am the automatic backup to the to the backup players that are in now. If anybody gets hurt at right guard, left guard, or center, I have to go in. So I'm sitting there, and like I said, it's a hot, steamy night. I just played three quarters of football. I'm just you know drenched in sweat, and I have to urinate. I got to pee something fierce. Right here we and go. So I'm sitting with all the other alignment, and I go, I go watch. And so I, I'm waving the fans. I'm just sitting on the bench. I'm just peeing in my pants. And it's literally dripping down off the bench. And I kid you not, Steve, I get done. I just finish. I empty my entire bladder. And somebody in the center got hurt, the backup center. Oh, yeah. And so they're yelling on the sideline, stink, stink, stink. So I jump up, <laughs> grab my helmet, run to the sideline. Stan Humphreys is our backup quarterback. He goes, hey, let me get a warm-up snap quick. Oh, and I'm no. like, oh, Lord. 
I mean, I am drenched. So I get down over the ball, you know, and they always stand. They don't put their hands down until the, the ball's about ready to be snapped. They tap you on the side of the butt, you know. Yeah. Blue 80, blue 80, ta da And I snap the ball and just splash, you know. And he's like, oh, my God, get a towel. He's soaking wet with sweat. We got to mop this stuff up. And I'm like, dude, that is straight urine. And um, and so then from that point forward, I mean, stink was never going to leave. It's always no. going to be, you know, it's just it, it is who I am. Well, let, we're talking to Mark Slareth, and he is stink, and that that was a pretty graphic, pretty uh, honest display of an explanation. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi minute now. Let's take it from your nation, which is what we've been talking about. You know, you're a football player. Look, you can spit. You can you can urinate on yourself. You're in the middle of it. You're at war, and it's not a, it's not a like a you know it's not a child's game, right? Let's right. talk about it. Let's go from there to food. Okay, I love this story, and I don't just love the story. I love the food because you sent me a case of this. Uh, you're you're Slaris stinking good. Now my favorite is the green chili sauce with the pork hot. Right. Okay. All right. You got to tell everybody about this. Tell us about where you can get it because I know you're in like a bunch of big Costco's or whatever. But this is this stuff's incredible. Well, you know, it's funny when I was uh, I'm I'm kind of a I like to think of myself as an expert landscaper, but I'm always putzing in my yard, and it's kind of it's just what I do. You know, I mean, I would I'd much rather believe it or not spend five hours working in my yard than five hours on the golf course. When I was playing my last season with the Broncos, the very first day of training camp, I hurt my knee. And I rehabbed for a couple of days. I needed surgery. Then I went and had surgery. Then they wanted me on crutches for 10 days. Well, meanwhile, my yard is growing out of control. My, you know, my, my lawn is. And I've always mowed my own lawn. So there's a guy in the neighborhood, and I lived in a neighborhood with Romanowski and Tommy Nalen and several coaches, and he took care of their lawns. He was their lawn guy. So he swings over, knocks on the door, introduces himself to my wife, and just says, hey, man, I know Mark is laid up. I know he just had surgery. I'm going to take care of your, your yard until he gets healthy. So wow, he mows cool. the yard. So I find him in the neighborhood, and I'm like, hey, dude, I just want to thank you. That's really kind of you. And he goes, oh, no problem at all. He goes, I make the world's greatest green chili. I'm going to bring you some by. Well, I'm an Alaska kid that played at the University of Idaho. I don't even know what green chili is. Right. <laughs> but I'm like 300 pounds, and I'm like, you're going to feed me? I'm going to eat. He brings it over, and I just, like, I fell in love with it. And so we became kind of friends. We'd see each other in the neighborhood. I'd ask him landscaping questions, and then I'd be like, hey, anytime you get more green chili, bring it by. And so this went on for like nine years, and during that time, I always encouraged him, you should go into business. So at the end of nine years, we go into business together, and, um, you know, he goes, hey, I need, you. I need your name and face uh, to market, <laughs> and I need some money, you know, to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. basically to see the company. And so we started that, we did that uh, 10 years ago now. We've been in business 10 years. We're in a bunch of grocery stores here in, uh, in the kind of south, what would be considered the southwest corridor, Costco's in Colorado, New right. Mexico, Arizona. So it's been, I mean, it has been a labor of love. I've learned far more about the grocery business than I ever wanted to learn. And, uh, you know, I thought it'd be far, a lot further along than I am, Steve, but we're still plugging away and we're still selling green chili. And it's, uh, like I said, it's been kind of a fun project for well, us. Well, that's because you're competing against Kellogg's and, and whatever. <laughs> I mean, come on, we know the game, right? I mean, we know we know the game and you have to be sort of in the trenches of it all. And, and, Absolutely. And, yeah, so eventually what's going to happen is one of these big companies, General Mills, whoever's going to come along and they're going to go, hey, uh, uh, we'd like to purchase you, and then that's when you can you can let it totally eat. But we're talking to Mark Solareth. Okay, so I love this stuff. So let's talk about nutrition behind it because I know I'm watching you work out, and I know that as we get a little older, 
Uh, and mm-hmm. you're talking about your dad about to be close to 80 years old and can bench 300 pounds. That's crazy. He needs to be on the cover of Men's Health every month. So, yeah. so, so we're talking about that. Let's talk about the uh, the nutritional value behind. Let's talk about pork hot, the green chili sauce <laughs> yeah. pork hot. Well, I, I tell you what, we use the, the top line pork tenderloin. It is, you know, green chilies, it's onions, it's, uh, you know, a little bit of tomato, cilantro. Uh, there, now, there's a lot of salt. So if you're on a salt-restrictive diet, that's a little bit of a problem. But when you're talking about calories, it's a very low calorie. You're supposed to use it as a condiment. Like, um, you know, it's supposed to be like a southwestern ketchup. So pour it on burritos, pour it on your eggs right. in the morning. Spice things up a little bit, um, but it's a low calorie. It's got a good protein mixture, and it's a low carb um, alternative to ketchup and all that kind of stuff. And right. it is, as you know, just a phenomenal taste. Uh, it's just a, the yeah. flavor is unbelievable. I, you know, I, now this is not part of any shouldn't be part of anybody's diet. But the thing I like to do the best with that is I like to just put a bowl, put a bunch of Fritos in a bowl. Heat up that pork hot, pour it over the top, grate some cheese over the top, and you got a green chili Frito pie. And I'm telling you what, it's absolutely to die for. Now, you can't wow. eat it every day because you'll gain um, a ridiculous amount of weight, but it is phenomenal food. Well, well I have a theory of, of the whole weight gain thing. I think uh-huh. if you spend a lot of time eating the same thing over and over, uh-huh. that it's not good for you. And I think it just sort of puts weight on you, whether it's salt or whether whatever, or right. something's got a lot of salt in it. So say you start eating one thing. Now, I know chicken and fish. I'm just talking about other things that, that aren't quite probably as good for you, but you should have for your own uh, sanity. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you can get on a habit. Like I can get in a habit and want to eat Popeye's fried chicken like three days in a row. Well, I used to, right? And yeah. and when I eat, like I can't just do one breast. I have to do four spicy breasts, two biscuits, uh, and a big diet Coke. Used to be a regular Coke when I was younger. So obviously that's changed. But but it's so funny. I just think that it's it's balance, man. You got to balance things. I do. I, I did what you said. You said put this on top of things as a condiment, and that's yeah. what we did. Now our our son's at Ole Miss, and uh, he was the Hooper. And Adrian, he ate it straight out of the bowl. So he was. Right. Uh, he's at that age where he can do it, and it doesn't affect him. But also salt. You know, I always make the joke that if it's in the food already that's cooked, it's going to be okay. If you add it at the at the end, it's like. 10 times worse. Now, I know that makes no sense. So I'm going to go with the chemical sort of molecular breakdown thing, and I'm just going to run with it. I like the way you're thinking because it's a lot like what I do when I'm analyzing things. I always just figure if I put an ish on the end of anything, I'm close enough. Like, hey, man, he threw like 26-ish touchdowns. You know? hey, so if it's 29, you're good. If it's 24, you're good. You know, It's in the ballpark. Just throw an ish it. on it, you're going to be fine. Well, speaking of ish, Mississippi-ish being the birthplace of American music, I want you to play DJ and lead us into the break. Uh, do you want to hear a little bit of Conway, Twitty, or B.B. King? Oh, B.B. King, baby. He's a Mississippi guy. Got to go B.B. King. Well, they all are. And we love you. And we're with Mark Slareth. I'm Steve Azar. We're in a Mississippi Minute. Stand by.
What is it? Super Talk Mississippi, number one in the Magnolia State for news, weather, sports, and talk that matters to you. Don't you forget it. Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and supertalk.fm. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are on the backside of a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. My guest is Mark Stink Slareth, and we are talking football. Uh, We're talking about all sorts of things. Okay, lately Tiger Woods has been looking pretty good. I want to talk about your injuries, how you were able to maintain, because earlier in the the interview I was trying to spit this out, and it wasn't working out because, you know, my Mississippi side sometimes takes detours and my mind gets sideways. So let's talk about the screws in his back, the rector set that's basically holding him up uh the plates my brother's chief of staff he's a memphis grizzlies orthopedic surgeon in memphis he was uh, president of american orthopedic association of america he studied under andrews i have watched him nut and bolt people together right and mm-hmm. so let's talk about his back you know you got to realize the force he's putting on it still today still i, I saw the other day he had to drive 352 yards ish right so yeah. so let's talk about that your body Holding up against these world-class athletes, you're a world-class athlete, but the ones that hadn't been battered like you have and been broken and fixed and repaired. Let's talk about, since you know so much about it, let's talk Tiger first and talk about what do you think that he goes through in his mind when he's playing and this this whole road uh, to to where he's at again. Yeah, you know, I I think the, the biggest thing for me, and this is one of the things that I've always stressed to people, as you age and as you know you get beat up whether whatever your sport you can you know, the sport that you play um, you, you there's a couple of different things one when you lose athleticism or you lose range of motion or you lose flexibility you've got to be able to make up for that lack of athleticism or flexibility through the mental side of the game so for me it was like okay i don't have the ability to recover because you know, 20 knee surgeries into this thing, I just couldn't recover anymore. So you know what? Don't get yourself in trouble. So make sure that you funnel people. Make sure that you take the proper angles. Make sure you make invite people to go where you want them to go mm-hmm. and then lock them down in that, in that kind of realm. So you have to make the mental adjustment. I think the biggest thing about playing hurt and playing injured is something that from a mental aspect that you have to get over. And what I tell players all the time that have been hurt is you've got to reestablish what your 100% is. And I think a mistake that a lot of people make is they're like, man, I'm going to rehab, I'm going to get back to 100%. And what I always tell them is you've been forever altered. You're never going to be the same. You'll never be the exact same. Now, you may get to the point where you feel better than you did before the injury, but the odds are you're never going to quite feel as good. And I say, so what you have to do is go, okay, I've rehabbed, I've been cleared to play, I'm good to go, this is my new 100%. Right. And I've got to establish that mentally to be able, because if you're sitting there waiting to go, well, I just can't quite you know, run quite as fast, or I just can't quite do this yet, and as soon as I get there, and my, and my perspective is you'll never get there. So quit thinking about trying to get there. So for Tiger Woods, it's, it's one of those situations where, hey, you're always going to have a certain amount of pain. Um, can you play through it? Or 
can you work around whatever bothers you so that you can still play at an extremely high level? Because my thought with him was, it's, it's, you know, it's easy some days you go out and you feel really good, but can you put two practice rounds and four straight days together right. when you've had those kind of back issues? That's going to be the biggest issue. And maybe it's, hey, I'm going to give up some yardage and I'm just going to get dialed in, and I'm not going to turn as much, and I'm just going to make sure that I protect this thing to a certain degree. And I think those are things that you have to start looking at. And it's hard. to The mental shift, to me, is the most important thing. Right. I've, always, you know, I've always said for me, Steve, is, is like, I don't know anything but pain since the time I was 18. That's my life. I just, it's just You're sort of expecting with. it, right? <laughs> yeah, you just get, you're just used to it. So... Like, I, I have different, like, levels of crappiness. I feel less crappy today than I did yesterday. It's going to be a great day. So that's just kind of how I approach it. But mentally, I think it's the toughest thing to overcome injuries is you just got to make, you've got to create this mental perspective of, hey, I might not be as good as I once was, but I'm, I'm still plenty good enough to dominate at any level. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, that You answered all those questions, even the one I was trying to ask earlier, which I fumbled I fumbled a couple times. That's, right. that's part of the deal. This whole yeah. on the other side of the microphone thing is going to take me a long time. It's not like <laughs> not like being on, like writing a song. Uh, n- nobody hears the mistakes you're making along the way. You're locked up in your room, and it's not like uh, being on stage. You get pretty good at realizing what not to say, and you sort of orchestrate things in a way, but I've always gone off the cuff anyway, no matter what I do, but mm-hmm. having roadmap and doing it for 35 40 years is a lot better uh than than this whole radio thing so i'm trying to get like to 25 percent ish of your ability to commentate so hang in there hey listen you're you're doing a great job because (laughs) what i do is easy (laughs) what i do is like what you do on stage man you're playing a song it's you know you got that feel that vibe you're phenomenal at it but a lot of it is just extemporaneous you know you just feel great and you're out there people ask me questions and i talk about it and i answer it and you know when i flip on your side and i have to host something oh it's it's uh, oftentimes it's a train wreck i have a tough time to me, you just said something that's very important that I wanted to touch on. Honesty as an analyst, okay? I mean, you hurt a lot of feelings. I've seen you hurt feelings. Uh, right. How are you able to be honest as an analyst? So I've always felt like I earned the right. I graduated from the NFL. I look at my own career. I might not have been the best, um, but I was pretty damn good. Well, yeah. Uh, I look at it like, like there's nobody from an integrity standpoint there's nobody that played with any more integrity than I played with. There's nobody that got more out of their body than I got out of mine. There's nobody that's ever played, you know, any more hurt than I played and made any more sacrifices in, in that regard than, than I did. So I've earned the right based on starting for 12 years and winning three championships and, and making all those sacrifices. I've earned the right to, to be honest. You know, I, I mean, I've had a lot of guys that have been mad at me, and uh, the bottom line is is play better. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to praise you if you play well, and I'm going to I'm going to call you out if you act like an idiot, and that's just the way it is. And and you know, I always I, I find that most guys um, respect that. I will tell you this: there's nobody that was more critical of my game than me, and so you could say whatever you want about me and my game, and I'm fine. It doesn't bother me a bit. You know, there's no thin skin here because, um, as we like to say, you know, there's no virgin meat on my behind. It's all been chewed. <laughs> and I, I'm fine with that. And, so and urinated on. Yeah, but yeah I, I, just approach, I just approach it that way. Like, hey, I earned the right. 
you know. So if you don't like it, uh, sorry, that's you know that's on you. So I've just always been that way, and I, I have found that from a coaching standpoint to a player standpoint, um, you know, I've, I've been a very as an analyst, people respect me, and and I've even had like. The owner of the Baltimore Ravens pulled me aside one one day at one of the Super Bowls, uh, and, and Steve Bishotti, he just came up to me and goes, hey, listen, I need to tell you something. He goes, you pissed me off, but he said, i got to tell you, I think you're the best analyst on television because you're honest, and I can tell it comes from a place that you've studied it, you've watched it, and it's not hyperbole. You believe it, and, and you've moved forward. And he goes, and I respect that. And that's that's basically what I get not only from coaches and from general managers, but from players as well. That That's the answer. So, well, I, I guess if you're going to actually keep your job as an analyst, you do have to tell the truth. And uh, you have developed the thick skin. Even in the music business, man, I'm telling you, you get told no a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I'm talking about your batting average is like 4%. I mean, like, it's yeah. horrible. You'd never play anywhere in any other sport. All the no's, no, 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 no. And then finally you get one. You only need one yes. You know, right. a, a song that you want to get recorded. Uh, I've seen friends of mine uh, pitch songs. They, they were more into the whole pitching thing. You know, I write and record my own songs, but they do the songwriting for a living. I've watched them pitch songs sometimes for five years, one song, and finally get cut, get told no hundreds and hundreds of times and then told yes and then a million and a half dollars later you know they were right for that one song so you got to be able to take no and you got to be able to take criticism and uh it's just the way it is if you're going to be successful i think in anything so all right so we're with mark slareth uh stink uh you're paying attention to it obviously it's your job now uh who's shining right now for you well i mean there's a ton of guys this uh shaquem griffin kid um out of uh university central florida you know, the kid has one hand. It was born, uh, with, you know, with a right. birth defect. He, I mean, he's a linebacker. He he benched 225 20 times, you know, with a prosthetic, you know, thing to hook onto the bar on, on the end of his arm. He ran a 4-3-8-40, which is unheard of at the linebacker position. Um, but beyond that, you know, you watch him. He's just a football player. He's a great football player. And, and those are the things, you know, that... The, the whole combine thing is ridiculous because, you know, it's really a test of not your football ability, but your athleticism. And, you know, sometimes you get so enamored with athleticism, some of these coaches or some of these general managers or some of these scouts, that they forget that the guy really didn't show well on film. But they're like, yeah, but look at this athleticism. Let's just, we're going to make him a football player. And so this, this combine time can make you or break you. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you, right. a, for instance, a kid, John Ross, last year, set a combine record, fastest 40 ever at the combine, 4-2-2, uh, was drafted in the first round, I think, uh, like 8 or 12 overall, something like that, the Cincinnati Bengals. Guy, I called a Bengal game this year. He couldn't even play in the game. He, he couldn't play. So, yeah, you, But you always have to be careful about making sure that the film lines up with the athlete that you're watching. And, and you, right. can get, you can get a little bit you know, sideways on that stuff. Right. We're with Mark Slareth. I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. Honesty is the key to this show. Stand by. We'll be right back. Forever, forever, forever and ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 
easier than ever to hear Super Talk anywhere. Now you can get Super Talk Mississippi on Amazon Alexa devices. Just go to supertalk.fm slash Alexa to find out more. For news, politics, sports, and the good things happening in Mississippi, the conversation starts here. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Hey everybody, I'm with Mark Slareth. He is uh, in his home in Denver, Colorado. We are in Mississippi. It's a short walk from here to there. If you're, uh, I don't know about the walk part. We'll have to figure it out. Jet ride. Uh, Mark, Mark, tell me about, you'd already won one Super Bowl with the Redskins. That was your first Super Bowl, correct? Correct. Okay, you make your way to Denver, and Elway has never won one, right? And all of a sudden, you, go, you guys go back to back. Tell me about playing on the line uh, being in the huddle, uh, and you know, and and sort of being a part of that whole send off, and and making it finally happen to a guy that was really good, and just couldn't quite get there, and being you know being a big part of that, and a big piece of that missing puzzle for all those years. Yeah, you know, it's really funny because you know John is a legend, you know, and even when he was playing, he is an iconic you know football player, and. You know, I mean, everybody, and myself included, understood the history. Watch John, you know, drag the Broncos or, or play exceptionally well and get the Broncos to two Super Bowl, three Super Bowls, and, and then they got shellacked once by the Skins, once by the Giants, once by the Niners in all three of those Super Bowls. So we knew the history. You know, I, I, it's so powerful when you play or you do something for somebody else when your motivation is not you like if your goals aren't bigger than yourself then you got the wrong goals you know as a team our goals we were a good team but our goals were so much more um about sending john off right or getting john that championship understanding what he meant to the league and what he meant you know to the denver broncos and so just getting to the super bowl and 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 playing that game super bowl 32 against the green bay packers and um, and, and then winning that game where we're, you know, dramatic underdogs. And, you know, John really, I mean, John didn't have any stats. I mean, he had, he's actually had the worst stats of any winning quarterback up to that point. Now, since then, I think Roethlisberger has beaten that and, and maybe another guy. But he, he really, you know, it really wasn't a game plan that said, hey, John, we're going to showcase you. This was a showcasing of Terrell Davis and the running game and, and all that. But I'm telling you, the euphoric feeling after that game, right? And it wasn't just about us winning or or getting a championship. It was about knowing that that you helped get John that championship after you know three attempts that were miserable failures, um, and and going there and and being that big underdog and everybody thinking you guys are going to fail again. To see him and and to see you know what it meant to him to get that that was to me. Um, one of the best, you know, one of the best things I've ever been a part of. I love it. Now, now, which leads to this. So, you know, I'm really good friends with with Foxy. So, Coach Fox and I have been yeah. friends for for quite a while. All right. So, this is the tough part for me. I feel like you know that was Fox's team. You got your star linebacker out that year. Peyton was a little bit of a mess. 
uh, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, they were coming at you. It's just one of those moments where if you could just start over, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just start over, like like half, throw the half first half out and start over. Everything's just like going back to the first tee box after four holes and you're seven over par, you know? You get to right. start over. They didn't get to start over. And it just, it just you know, we've seen games, so many games in our lives that just that just started that way and it was over But when it started. So, so. Tell me about the decision, because maybe you know a little bit more. You know, he's a great friend of mine, but I'm scared to ask sometimes. That You know, it's not not something I feel like asking. You know, so tell me the process. Are, are you on the, the inside know of that or explain? Because I feel like that was Foxy's team. So I, yeah. as a friend, I'm going to feel like that. Yeah, absolutely. And Foxy, you know, I'm friends with Foxy too. I love, I love John Fox. He's a great guy and a great coach, and he's had a hell of a career. Um, I think there's a I think there's a couple of things that went down um, in regards to that, and, and this just goes to show you why you and I both love Foxy, and it comes down to loyalty. And in this business, um, sometimes management is not happy with the players or the development of the players, and I think sometimes management points to the coaches and says, "Hey, we got you these players, and they haven't developed very well." And the coaches going, "Yeah, well, you got to scrap your players, right?" Right, right. And so uh, you know, it's it's chicken or the egg. Exactly. I think there's a lot of that stuff that goes on. I think the Broncos got exposed athletically a little bit on the special team side. That's not a Foxy thing. That's a roster thing. But my understanding and. Again, this could be refuted, and Foxy probably will never tell you um, because he is not the kind of guy that's going to you know, tell trade secrets. Right. But my understanding is that he was asked to fire some coaches on his staff, and he said no. Right. Um, and that goes to show you one of the reasons you love him, one of the reasons I love him, is I love that kind of loyalty. I yeah. love a guy that says, huh, this ain't about my coaches. It's about, you know, our players need, you know, we need some better players. And, and so that was, that was my understanding, whether that's, you know, 100% or not. I'm not exactly sure, but um, it, it lines up with the character of the John Fox that I know. Right. That's what I love to hear because he's a brother. I love hearing that. Uh, I want, before we go, I want everybody uh, uh, to know they can follow you on Mark Slareth on Instagram. Is that his Twitter as well? Yeah, and Mark Slurth is Twitter as well, yeah. Okay, and, and I love one thing you got to keep coming is the verse of the day because I'm telling you, when I wake up, when uh-huh. I wake up, a lot of times I need to hear it. And I love it, and uh, I love your faith, and uh, and it's I sort of live by it. Some things obviously uh, hit home a little uh, more than than others, but man, right. when it hits home, I live by it. By that day, I think about I, I'm looking forward to the next one. So I appreciate you being being uh, the way you are. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I know that you're tired of talking and you want to get back to that yard. We've been with Mark Slareth. Stink. He's a stink man. And I'm Steve Azar. You have been in a Mississippi Minute. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Love you, brother. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Love you, brother. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.